Welcome back to The Strong Room. Here is estate and trust planning specialist, Sherry McMillan, with special guest, John Gibson. He's president and CEO of Tervita Corporation, Alberta's largest energy services company. He talks about why he chose to go into management. It was a big decision. My wife and I sat around and we said, you know, do you want to be a scientist or do you want to be a, a manager? Because it felt like intellectual suicide to go into management. Uh, I think many would agree that are scientists today that perhaps it is, but I would tell you, you can do, you could use as much of your brain in management as you do in, in being in research, but in, in a completely different way. But I had the, the benefit of Chevron allowing me that opportunity. It's one of the great companies, high integrity, uh, just a tremendous advocate for talent and getting the most out of them. And so I, it was a, a benefit to work there and learn their culture. And hopefully I've taken a piece of that with me. We take a piece of every place we work with us. And, and I took their integrity and commitment to excellence and, uh, with me and, um, and, and went about uh, my way. And it was, it was a lot of fun. But I got into management because I didn't think the management at the time really understood what motivated us. And I think if you really want to have a great company, you have to understand what motivates people. And people want to make a difference. They, they care. They want to be uh, in jobs that uh, result in, in positive outcomes. They don't enjoy doing busy work. None of us do. We need to know why what we're doing is going to somehow contribute to, to the solution. And if you can create a, a company or an opportunity where people can see that, then it gets pretty exciting. I wanted to do that for others. And it, it sort of led me through a career of, of just sort of creating opportunities for people to make a difference. Now, I know you use the terminology sometimes, John, of setting the tone. And how do you go about doing that? You know, tone, I, uh, I serve as a, on the board of directors of several companies, and, and I think everything in a company today is tone at the top. It's not uh, particularly for boards of directors, and that really is your selection of CEO. And, and it's become really complex to choose a CEO today because you're looking not for, for just financial performance, um, you're looking for uh, value systems, right? What what do they value, and do those values uh, contribute to the to the organization? And tone today really is, I think, one of the fundamentals is if you believe in transparency, and and you everything you do, you're welcome to see on the front page of the paper. Um, then that's a tone that everybody understands leads to integrity, right? If everything I do can be scrutinized then uh, publicly, then it changes your behavior. So I'd like to say I, I create a, a company where, you know, we know that everything we do, you know, we were talking earlier about a bit about High River. And, uh, you know, when you work for the government and you work in a public situation, you've got to expect that all that you do is going to be scrutinized. So do it in such a way you don't mind. And that's a great company that says, you know, inspect me. We will make mistakes, right? Everybody does. Again, as I said earlier, judge my motivation because I'll quickly repair those because they were unintended. And if you'll give me the benefit of the doubt, you know, we'll, we'll charge twice for something that happens. We'll also not charge for something we should have. And so, but on the balance, when those are the kind of errors you make, it all works to the, to the right place. And so you know, just judge your motivation and, and take a look at companies with integrity and, and put your money there because over the long term, they're the ones that will make money and let you keep it. Now, you've done a lot of wonderful work in High River more recently with the flood, and would you mind just sharing a little bit about how that came about and what the outcomes were? 
uh, you know, High River is probably, I'd say, one of the greatest achievements. No, not in nowhere near the largest project I've ever been involved in, but uh, one of the most complex because it's an emergency. And during emergencies, uh, it's interesting to watch how people react. And I actually think the province uh, did a, a, a really good job there because did they get it perfect? And the answer, again, is no. You're working under an emergency situation where uh, not all of the variables are known and, and everybody has a different opinion, and you do your best and with poor circumstance. And they did an, an excellent job of, of marshalling resource, which we were pleased to be a part of that, and there were others. Uh, delve, delving up what needs to be done and really prioritizing that so that we knew what to do and in what order. Alberta Health did a great job of determining you know, what needed to be done to protect the citizens in the community and, and gave instructions. And, and I don't think anybody will ever see all of the collaboration that went on to, to help High River. And I think these numbers are right, and you could go check them, but I think there are like 5,200 properties on the tax roll in High River. Uh, 2,700 of them were impacted by water damage. Gives you the idea of the extent of the damage that they were working on there. Uh, mayor Meal, who was the mayor at the time, I mean, what a tremendous leader he was. Much like the mayor in, in Slave Lake, we're blessed here with great local leadership that are steadfast and, uh, and committed to the community and the people. And, and so we were able to come in on a, a sort of an unrestricted contract in some ways where we did what we had to do. And we reported that back continuously and transparently to the province so that they could make sure that we were accomplishing the goals that they set out. And, you know, since the flood, we continue to work in High River. We are, have a great relationship with, uh, with High River, and we continue to work uh, with uh, the mayor and the, the group there. And uh, high integrity um, under difficult, difficult circumstances. Uh, 300 homes deemed not fit for inhabitation. Uh, we recovered almost all of those, and so only uh, a handful had to be destroyed. Uh, that wasn't what it looked like in the beginning. <laughs> and uh, if you were down there, I mean, it just it bring tears to your eyes. And, and think about the people that have been there for generations. Um, a very difficult circumstance to look at their community, and and I think there's still difficult decisions to make for the province and and for High River as you go forward as to what to rebuild and how much to spend and. And I don't envy those guys. It's much easier to clean up than it is to take those long-term decisions. So there's a lot of thought that, that needs to go into that going forward. John, what do you think and hope that your legacy is um, with your corporation going forward? Well, I, another personal question. I probably wish that they'd just put on my tombstone, honored God. But uh, you know, maybe a secular way of saying it was uh, did the best he could do. Uh, and was motivated correctly, regardless of, of the outcome. But, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd also hope that people would say that they learned how to make better decisions from me. Um, I'd, I have a fellow that I really enjoyed uh, who passed away just after visiting with me here last year. His name was Dr. Rushworth Kidder, and he wrote a book that was called uh, How Good People Make Tough Decisions. And he explains that there's only one kind of decision to make, that's a trade-off between right versus right. You're never deciding right versus wrong. That's immoral uh, or illegal. And so it's, you know, examples. It, there are only four things you decide, and you decide between these two rights, uh, long-term versus short-term, truth versus loyalty, individual versus group, 
justice, mercy, just just those four things. And and that when you see that, then you begin to understand the uh, dilemmas in life and why there's two rights. It's not I'm right and you're wrong, which I find a little for a new Canadian, it's a little difficult to watch the party and the opposition because it's right versus wrong, not right versus right. And uh, it's a little difficult to watch. I can't stand it in the U.S. either with Republicans and Democrats. And, you know, it's, I look at uh, Affordable Health Care Act, for instance. I'll be political and get in trouble. Uh, is it right for everybody to have a certain level of health care? The answer is yes. Is it right to have health care and not put an overwhelming burden on one group of people to pay for all of it? And the answer is yes. And so now we have to reach compromise. And so it, that's two right things. It's not a right thing and a wrong thing. And, and I, it's disappointing to see how political behavior in the U.S. has created right versus wrong. And, and I see some of that here. But one of Canada's great benefits is how collaborative it is. And which is a topic for the whole day, but government, business, community here do work really hard together. And uh, don't underestimate the value of that to Canada. Well, we are honored to have you as part of our community, John. So thank you for joining us today. You're kind. I'm, I'm happy to be here and, you know, uh, get a lot of my colleagues back. I think they'll enjoy talking with you. Thank you. Our thanks to John Gibson for being our guest on The Strong Room today. If you have any questions, comments, or opinions on today's show, please contact us at macmillanestate.com. This is The Strong Room.